Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Kules. Welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Gabriel Quiroga, here in the Spanish capital. And in today's episode, Dom Kastanchik talks with me about the World Cup semifinal matches that happened this past week. And we do a quick preview of the World Cup final. Before we get into that conversation, I just want to talk about Messi. Now, you know, listening to the podcast, how much of a Messi fanboy I am. Messi, to me, is the best player I have seen in my lifetime bar none, without a doubt. Messi has brought so much football joy to my life in the last 15 years. It is countless, the memories, what he has done for FC Barcelona, and more importantly, the joy I get watching him perform for Barcelona day in and day out when he was at the team. Now, watching him through this World Cup run, I really did not think Argentina had it in them to make it to the final. I thought, especially after the first match against Saudi Arabia, they were flawed, they looked a little slow, and I just didn't think they were up for it. But they have proven me wrong. And I'm glad. I'm really glad. Because Scaloni, the manager, has done an outstanding job of finding little tweaks in different matches to optimize and get these crucial victories and just move on. As I always talk about in Champions League, survive and move on, the World Cup is even more intense Argentina have advanced, and they made the Croatia match look very, very easy, especially after struggling in the prior match. Now, I want to go back to Messi. You know, Messi started his international career in 2006, actually his World Cup career in 2006, and he was just 18. Obviously, he played a key role helping Argentina get to the quarterfinals, but they only got to the quarterfinals, and they were ultimately eliminated by Germany. And Messi did receive a bunch of the blame, especially since he was considered an emerging talent and one of the best in the world. Four years later, Argentina reached the World Cup again, but this time they were knocked out in the group stage, and Messi struggled to make an impact on the pitch and again was criticized for his performance, always being compared to Maradona. In 2014, where the World Cup was held in Brazil, Argentina made it all the way to the final, where they faced Germany once again. And obviously, despite a valiant effort from Messi and his teammates, Argentina fell short in extra time to Germany, won nothing, and Germany were the World Cup champions. And again, in that match, there were some opportunities for Argentina to get the lead. Messi did his part, but again, fell short and was overtly criticized about not being 
a leader enough, not being the man enough for this Argentina national team. Now, eight years later, Argentina find themselves in the final, and this feels like a redemption story to me, almost, almost like a sports movie. Who's going to play Messi? I believe it's his destiny to win this World Cup. I'm a romantic like this. I'm not a religious person, but I'm a football sports romantic, and I love seeing these type of storylines. And I can only see Messi being on top. I just feel, it just feels right to me, especially being such a Messi fan. But it's going to be extremely, extremely difficult on Sunday. They are facing one of the toughest foes he'll ever face. And France is a true team in the sense of the word. France has basically made all their opponents look like Swiss cheese, maybe, apart from England, but everyone else, pretty easy run, which is incredible considering that they've made it to another final. And if they win this final, they have to be considered one of the greatest national teams ever assembled. To win back-to-back World Cup finals in modern football would be some sort of feat. I know Messi is going to be so, so plugged in for this match, knowing that this is really the last chance. The other thing I know is his fellow teammates are going to put it all on the line to get this victory for Messi. It's funny, I've been watching on TikTok and obviously in social media, the different outpouring support now for Messi. And it's funny how that's kind of changed, especially in this run, as we've seen the brilliance, the moves, the plays. And now people are saying Messi is pulling a Maradona now. And I'm glad he's finally getting the full support of more of his national fans. The last thing I want to mention is I have also been seeing my favorite announcer, Andres Cantor's calls during the World Cup. And I think he also gives a unique perspective because he's also Argentinian. And to me, when you see the passion and the goal call, you see that not only from a broadcast point of view, but also from a fan point of view, which I think is awesome. And Andres Cantor is one of my favorite football memories as well for World Cup. I remember listening to him in the in my first World Cup with 1990, Italy, listening and watching him on television. And I always was fascinated by his goal call. And I love watching and listening to him. A lot of people on Sunday will be rooting for Messi. And I really, really, really hope Argentina pull this off. Because for Messi to be considered the GOAT, the best ever. He needs this World Cup, and more importantly, an out-of-body experience to pull this off. And I think if I have one match to play against the Aliens slash France, I want Messi on my team. So let's go Argentina, vamos carajo. After this message from today's sponsor, NordVPN, Dom and I break down the World Cup semifinals. Do you ever get frustrated that you can't watch certain live sport events because they aren't televised or available in your country? Well, with NordVPN, you can say goodbye to those frustrating restrictions. NordVPN is a virtual private network, or VPN, that allows you to access content from anywhere in the world. 
With NordVPN, you can connect to servers in different countries and bypass geographic restrictions on streaming services. This means you can watch live sports, TV shows, and movies from anywhere in the world without any annoying blackouts or censorship. In addition to providing access to global content, NordVPN also offers top-notch security and privacy. With NordVPN, your internet connection is encrypted and your IP address is hidden, so you can browse the web anonymously and securely. This means you can protect yourself from hackers and government surveillance and enjoy the internet with peace of mind. And right now, our listeners can get an exclusive offer. If you go to nordvpn.com slash Barca, you can get four months of NordVPN absolutely free. That's right. Four months of top-notch security and global access absolutely free. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Unlock the full potential of the internet with NordVPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash Barca and get four months for free today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Dom joins me on the podcast and unfortunately had some technical difficulties as Dom is currently traveling in Croatia and did not have the greatest Wi-Fi. So we ditched the recording and we basically had a conversation through WhatsApp Audio. And here here's the conversation. I think the most important thing is we get the analysis from Dom, which I wanted, and we're just going to go through with the questions I asked him. And the first question I asked him was, could Croatia have done something different tactically to get a better performance out of that match? Or did they just spend all their energy and legs against Brazil that they had nothing left in the tank? Well, I think it has to be said that even though Croatia have reached the semifinal and they have been much better than, than people give them credit, which is which is one of the gripes that I have with the general public, public eye, you know, public opinion on Croatia. Um, I always felt like this is a team that has that's been to two semifinals in a row and still they don't get as much respect as they maybe should be getting but there's also the other side of the coin and that it has to be said that Croatia have been underwhelming to a certain extent which is a bit difficult to say it's, it's a weird thing to say when you talk about a semifinalist but it is the truth because they they've not been exceptional in anything they did we all know that they do something well because you have to do something well if you if you keep reaching these uh, end game stages of, of, of huge tournaments like like the World Cup, but no one can really put a finger on what it actually is. And um, can can they could could they have done something differently against Argentina? I feel like yes, because Croatia are 
a very cross-heavy team. That was always that has always been the case. Well, not always, but the recently uh, that has been the case. Um, and they do like to advance down the flanks. Then they they like those isolations, even though they don't really have pacey players and players who can dribble that well on on the flanks. But they do like those isolations because it makes it easier for them to ping crosses into the box. Um, but to me, it felt weird that a cross-heavy team doesn't really have a good aerial threat in the box. Uh, and, and and this is one of the big conundrums that, that Croatia have faced even prior to the World Cup. And that's who do they pick for the for the um, starting starting position of a number nine, of a number nine role? Because they have so many different profiles and none of them really fit for every scenario but all of them have unique very specific toolkits that can be used in very specific specific situations so you have Kramaric who is a more of a false nine he likes to drift he likes to combine he likes to link up and he likes to drag players and he can score goals and he can be useful as as a sort of a, a threat on goal but that's you know he does so many things deeper on the pitch and he he was the one who started the game, and Croatia was still trying to ping cross into the box, and 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 there was no one to really get at on the at the end of those crosses and the end of those cutbacks, and I felt like that was that was a mistake that they made in the the lineup selection, maybe the tactics, and then you have players like Borna Sosa on the left left back position, and, and someone like Ivan Perisic on the left wing both of whom are great players, especially Perisic, who has been probably our most uh, a most reliable player apart from Luka Modric and and he's been sort of a hit and miss because he couldn't get any of those crosses into the box the way he usually does and the same for Sosa who's just been lacking energy maybe maybe too fatigued maybe too I don't want to say out of his depth but maybe he was maybe it was a time to maybe shuffle the deck a bit and see if we have different options for that position and and those are the things that I feel were very lacking. Uh, as if you if you really are dead set on an approach like we're gonna cross the ball into the box, which is not a bad plan because Argentina are not a physically imposing team. They're not an aerial team that can uh, that that can kind of uh, combat Croatia's own aerial ability. So I feel like if if the deck was shuffled a bit differently and 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 Dalic maybe had put someone like Ante Budimir in there who who is excellent in the air maybe all those crosses and all those um the aerial threat would have been that much more that much better and that could have maybe given Croatia an edge uh in an otherwise very I don't want to say toothless toothless uh performance but it was to a certain extent a performance that didn't really generate enough threat yeah, I mean, I think with Croatia not pumping in those crosses, taking advantage of that height difference, I think they could have really used that on the on the day. Now, one of the things, you know, it's not that I don't know that Modric is a world-class player. He won the Ballon d'Or and so forth. But I think I just had my blinders on because he plays for Real Madrid, and I don't want to accept that he's such a great midfielder. But, man, I am completely late to this party and you know my my friend always points out Modric to me and I am like yeah 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 I see it I see it but I don't want to believe it 
why am I so late to this party? And I, and I, you know, after this World Cup run, obviously I have to put Modric in the top eight midfielders uh, since 2000 of, you know, in this era. And maybe even better than that because what he was able to do in this tournament, you, the way he's able to control the midfield and just be so technically sound is something to behold. And, and especially because he's so small too. I think that's the other thing. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like people... It's 2022, and and there are still people sleeping on Luka Modric. It's 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 a tough question because sometimes when you when you it's like when you're trying to say what makes Messi so good. Well, it, it it's like everything he does is so good, and and you know I feel like the players that that are so sec- technically secure on the ball, and the players that don't lose the ball, and the players that see the game differently from others, you know how Messi sees passing lanes that that you can't even see when you watch it on TV and and in slow motion and, and maybe you just see the images before his assist, you, you can still find difficulty just pinpointing what exactly, where exactly this is the passing lane, how how exactly does he execute that pass. With Modric is similar because uh, you don't you don't know what he's going to do, you don't know how he's going to do it exactly, but you know that he has a the calmness he has, he has the quality, the technical quality to keep the ball and progress the ball, and at the same time, at 37 years of age, he still has the lung capacity, the legs, the athleticism to keep up with the with the best and most informed uh, athletes of the game, and that to me just it's incredible. And and Modric has been a crucial part of 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 a. Very, very good, an excellent Real Madrid team over the years. He has been a staple of of a very good Croatian uh, international team. Um, after all, he's reached one one final and one semi final in the in the last two World Cup iterations, and and that's and he's been by far the Croatia's most influential player. And on top of that, he's also the player who who won a Ballon d'Or as well. And those all those things cannot be denied anymore and I, I feel like it is kind of strange that people don't 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 uh rate Modric as highly as they should um and there's always going to be that conversation and which people kind of doubt whether he he sits at the table with with Iniesta and Xavi and Zidane and all those elite uh elite great all-time great midfielders and I feel like uh at this point how can we even deny him that, that seat, a seat at that table? Because with, with everything that he's done, with everything that he still keeps doing at this age, uh, and in with all of those elite teams that he's been a crucial part of, I, I think that it's time we just sat down and said, well, yes, Modric is an all-time great midfielder, an all-time great player. And, and, and I would say that of those three or four players that I've mentioned just now, I, th- I would I would only say that Iniesta has, a, a, to, in my opinion, a rightful claim at the, at the throne of the greatest midfielders ever. And then Modric could could easily slot into the, that second or third or fourth place, whichever you you personally feel like is is the closest to to what he he's actually uh, what he actually actually should be rated at. Uh, but I feel like he's at that table definitely, and uh, he has a claim at you know at, at being one of the uh, defining players of this generation, and rightfully so. 
Um, it's difficult to say what exactly he does to control midfield, but he has the calmness and he sees the solution before. One of the greatest things about great players, such as Messi and Modric, for example, they see what what the other players, the defenders and teammates are going to do before that happens. So to have that intuition, to play with that intuition and to on top of their excellent technical quality and physical predispositions because Modric might not be big, Messi might not be big, but they are freaks of nature uh, in their own regards with their uh, agility and low center of gravity and with their speed of thought and speed of perception. It just is something that you don't often see. When you combine all of those traits that are kind of supernatural in, in a sense with the, with the clear technical and physical capabilities of those players, it just makes for an incredible, incredible combination, a potent combination to, to create a player that, I, I don't want to say is one in a million, but he really is that good. He, Modric really is, he's something else. He's something else. And he has a top mentality as well. He is more of a quiet guy, you know, unassuming and 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 shy, and maybe, maybe he doesn't scream or shout or argue as much, but, you know, he doesn't have to. He much like Messi speaks with his with he with his performances and and that's what makes him great I feel yeah it's a great point the way they are able to see the plays develop before I think gives them the advantage they're almost like aliens that way they can take pictures and see the play but also with Modric I just the way he's able to make those passes especially using the inside the outside of his foot the way he does the variety I just think it's it's really cool and the other thing too that I want to point out is when Real Madrid signed Modric on, I think it was Marca, they they pinned him as the worst signing in Real Madrid's history. So that didn't really age well. Next question I have for you, you know, Scaloni has adapted from match to match, a little tweak here, a little tweak there. And in this match, he put four in the midfield. How did that disrupt or affect Croatia, especially in the midfield? So, yeah, I feel like one of the things that I talked about earlier was when I talk about a team full of superstars versus a team that has maybe one superstar and then a bunch of utility players or hardworking players, um, the, it's, this is exactly this, uh, your point about the four midfielders, because Scaloni had to adapt. He has to get things right tactically and structurally to be able to, be able to uh, go toe-to-toe with the best of the team, of teams out there. And he knew that the, the strongest area or part of Croatia is by far the midfield line. Um, they have great attackers, sure, they, they have a great back, back line as well, but the midfield is their bread and butter. So he had to minimize the damage that that midfield could do. And of course, you don't really go into a match with Croatia thinking, oh, we can outplay the midfield, because I don't see many international midfields that could, that could cope with, with the, the power of Modric, Kovacic and Brozovic. It's just, it's a very complementary um, midfield that, that has, well, most of the, the basics covered, but they have it covered on an elite level. Uh, so they have uh, everything you would need in a midfield trident, and it's very, very difficult to, to combat that tactic, technical excellence that they, they give to a team's first and second phases of build-up play. Um, so putting four midfielders in there, just putting an extra body, extra line of, of defense, it's, it's kind of, I would say that it's still minimizing the damage as opposed to hoping to to upset the, the, the greatest midfield of the international stage 
uh, at the moment, but um, but he did it well, and he recognized that as the strongest part, which you know it's an obvious obvious thing to do. But still, to react and and to shuffle the deck, it's it's something that Argentina had to do um, because they are they're a team that that doesn't have that cheat code of of having incredible individual quality across the pitch. They have Messi, sure. They have Alvarez, they have Di Maria, they have Altaro, they have Enzo Fernandez. They do have quality, I'm not denying that, but they don't have this supernatural superstar quality in every single position like like France perhaps do. They have Messi, of course, that's, that's a cheat code in itself, but you know, football as a team sport, as we keep saying, and, and as much as Messi can and does drag the team that he plays for, uh, a lot and often, uh, it's just you need more than that on the international stage and knockout football. It's 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 paramount that you have more than just individual quality, more than just tactical excellence. There's so many aspects that go into it, and I feel like tactical adaptation and and kind of seeing what the opponent is good at and then adapting to that is a huge huge part of what makes this Argentina good. As opposed, you know, when you just compare this Argentina team to the to the team that started. The World Cup with a lot one with a loss to to Saudi Arabia, it's a completely different team because that team was was banging its head against the wall trying to do a thing that doesn't work, uh, while this team adapts not only to to the opposition but also adapts to the profiles that they have within their squad. So it's going to recognize, okay, I have Messi, I have Di Maria, I have, um, and, and all those t- players are, are ball-to-feet players, for example. So what do I need? I need runners. I, I'll put someone like Alvarez, I'll put someone with, like uh, McAllister who will, who will run, who will give me an outlet, an outlet uh, for, for when teams press us deep, or when we have to counterattack, when we have to transition to from defense to attack quickly, and and I feel like those kind of things are the things that win you not only matches but also win your trophies. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how how they adapt again to meet France in the final because uh, you know it's it's a, a Croatia were a challenge, but France is going to be a bigger challenge. Definitely, Argentina are going to have their hands full with France this Sunday, and we're going to see what kind of tweaks or tactical advantages Scaloni can find, if any. Uh, but more importantly, it's just, yeah, like you said, it's going to be a tough, tough foe for Argentina. Now let's switch to the other semifinal match. You know, when Griezmann was brought to Barcelona, there was a lot of mixed emotions among Kules. Obviously, a lot of uh, Kules didn't want him, didn't feel like he fit the system. I was definitely one of them. But once he was brought on the team, I felt that all the managers under him did not use him properly. And now all of a sudden we see Griezmann and his full capacity. A coach, a manager, Deschamps, who knows how to unlock Griezmann. And we are seeing Griezmann who could be, you know, I would say Messi and him are both, you know, players of the tournament so far. And why are we so surprised when we see a player who is playing at their natural position and playing in the best position for them? You know, I always feel, you know, Griezmann now in Atletico is still kind of hindered by Simeone's lack of letting him go. And now we see Griezmann just flourish with France and everyone's surprised about how world class he is. Oh, that's a great question. And and I'm so happy. Well, I'm happy that Griezmann is getting the recognition that he deserves because his Barcelona stand kind of... I don't want to say it kind of damaged his reputation, but it did to a certain extent. The same with Coutinho... Both of whom, I feel like, both Griezmann and Coutinho are great players in their own respect, but they're also 
the living proof of why profiles matter so much in football. It's not just that you buy a, a great individual uh, that has been shining in whichever club he's been he's been playing for up until that point, and then you can just slot them wherever you want, and they'll they'll still be they will still be their old self who's you know performing at a very high level. It's not as easy as that. Yes, it might work to a certain extent, and and sometimes individual quality will always shine through. But to get the very best of a player, you need to make sure that his profile is compatible with whatever he, you're trying to uh, establish at your club and whatever you're trying to establish for that specific player as well. So Griezmann is a sensational player, uh, but you know he he is not. I wouldn't really say that he's the main man. Uh, we kept saying that messi was actually the reason why griezmann didn't really work out that's true because they both play in the same position and they both 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 uh like to have a very similar role uh, but messi is the main man well griezmann doesn't necessarily have to be well he's not exactly the main man he's a a player that enables the main man to thrive but and, and in that regard you would think oh well messi is the main man and griezmann is the man who enables the main man so why why didn't it work well because it because Griezmann likes to operate in that same area, of course, um, and he needs a role that gives him both positional freedom and freedom of role. And what I mean of this is, like, at France, for example, he gets to be an old-school number 10, for example. He, But he also gets to be that inverted winger that, that comes from the sidelines. He, he gets to be the number 8, who's a bit deeper, who who, get, who has more of a box-to-box um, kind of role with, with, creative, with a creative spark. He gets to be a fullback even if he needs to be, and he gets to be a second striker if he needs to be. At Barcelona, he doesn't. No one really has that kind of freedom at Barcelona. If you're not named Lionel Messi, only Messi has something that can be described as 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 such positional uh, freedom. Um, and at France, he also has the players who complement his profile, and that's key. I already talked about this a, a bit, but. But at France, he has Mbappe, he has Giroud, he has Dembélé, and all of those players can make use of, of Griezmann's toolkit of his arsenal better than, for example, someone like Coutinho would at Barcelona, or Messi at Barcelona, even, or Suarez, I don't know, whichever attacker of that certain period uh, at Barcelona you want to take. Uh, they didn't really make great use of, of Griezmann's uh, utility, and, and that's that's why he struggled so much and it was not really because he was a bad player of course not he is just a france there's an environment there that highlights his strengths it, it allows him to be allows him to be both a, a very very um creative spark but also at the same time it allows him to be that that player who who who's constantly showing um discipline aggression uh, but also calmness when needed, and also hard hard work and persistence. All of those things have been deeply ingrained in him through Diego Simeone and Atletico Madrid, and also uh, also through Didier uh, Deschamps' um, freedom that that that's been given to to a player of his of his great great quality. Yeah, I think we're on the same page about talking about profiles and how they match his system. And again, we're just seeing the best of Griezmann. And like you said, he's working so hard on the defensive end and equally on the attacking, just making the right plays. 
you know, he just is able to distribute like a 10 should, especially with Mbappe and Dembele on the right. And obviously the, I would say the underrated top man in Giroud who just knows how to use that that space and that line that is given to him. Now let's talk a little bit about Morocco. I think Morocco was the darling of the tournament, especially knocking off Spain and Portugal. Uh, as there was a good tweet out there about uh, finally succeeding the Moors' dream of conquering the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, you know, Morocco had one of the best counter and defenses of the tournament. With this success that they experienced here in this World Cup, are they now a foe to reckon with? <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, I think, I think, oh, judge, judging clubs and, and and especially in players on you know on 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 the world cup in the world cup is it's so difficult because you know it's it's just a handful of games and 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 it's very difficult to predict whether that trend will continue or is, is it going to be a positive trend that goes forward it's going to be um, a negative trend how is a team going to react uh and look like post that big tournament it's very difficult to say but I feel like Morocco are, they are one of the very few teams in this World Cup that are extremely comfortable, extremely, extremely comfortable with, you know, in their own skin. They know, they know who they are, they know what they are about, uh, and they know what their strengths and weaknesses are, and they will play accordingly. And, and this is such a huge theme, uh, huge theme uh, of the whole international stage, because if you're not comfortable with, with, with your with your own strengths and weaknesses, uh, the chances are you're probably not going to fare that well. Um, so to, to call them a, an African powerhouse, yes, absolutely, because they've just take the, the game against France that we're that we're talking about just now. It's not that Morocco were were the uh, the the vastly inferior team. Yes, they lost two nil two nil, but. They were not. They were not ready to give up. They 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 pushed and they pushed, and 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 in the end they lost to to the uh, the favorites to, to take the whole tournament. So, so I feel like at this stage saying that Morocco are, are a powerhouse, it's not that big of a stretch. I, I feel like it, it might be a stretch to say it's a fact that they're a powerhouse, but in the conversation, uh, I <laughs> they are definitely in the conversation for that and and. I feel like for Croatia, if they play like they played against France, I would say that they they might even be a, a slight favorite going to the match against Croatia. I would love Croatia to win, and I will support Croatia. And of course, I do believe Croatia can win. Um, but but you know, it's it's something like that. It's it just it's, sometimes you just have to admit that an opponent deserves all the respect they're getting, and I feel like. They do. They really do deserve that respect, and they they should be treated as a as a as a powerhouse they are, as you said. So yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Hakimi, the right back for Morocco, was one of the standouts of this tournament. You know, he was in the Real Madrid system. Is he a player that is definitely going to be more up and coming? And how good would he look in a Barca jersey? I know he's Real Madrid product, but how good would he look in a in a Barca jersey? Oh yeah, Hakimi, uh, definitely, definitely a, a huge, huge player. Uh, someone asked me a question if, if I, which player from from that team I would take for Barca, and and of course Amrabat was one of the, uh, the the players mentioned as as an option. From I think there were there were four that were kind of uh, on offer, let's put it that way. And and but Hakimi, 
he is he's amazing you know he's there's no there's no denying that and and it's sometimes for us Barca fans it's, it's difficult to say those things about players that have Real Madrid history or that are current Real Madrid, Real Madrid players even uh, like Modric for example it, it, sometimes it's very painful for me to to see Modric being so so good because I know that Madrid have such a generational player but yes Hakimi I, I just I feel like he would also be a good fit because if we are looking for a very attacking wing wing back like uh, right back um it would it would go well it would gel well with with uh, Rafinha or Dembele on the right flank because it would enable them uh, to thrive um and especially Rafinha for example uh, who who loves to be a bit deeper a bit more inverted than perhaps Dembele Dembele is um but yeah uh key mega player and, and when it comes to Morocco when, and their tactics i feel like they we all talked about we already talked about um, on Twitter, uh, we, we were talking on Twitter about their switch from from the usual four five one to the five four one uh, formation. Um, on paper, I, I like this adaptation. And at first, I was like, I was thinking to myself, well, it kind of makes sense because they are recognizing the threat of of, of Mbappe and Dembele, and in a, a, a formation with five mid, five defenders, sorry, is. It's a good way to nullify that those wide, uh, wide isolations, and that's how teams often stop Barca as well. If you if you think back to the Inter Milan game or even the, some games in La Liga with Barcelona, whenever we faced a five at the back team, we always struggled. Or our wingers always struggled, and it was always Dembele who would get doubled down on. And, and I feel like that's what Morocco's coach had in mind with the 5-for-1 formation, but unfortunately it, it left them it left them completely outmatched in, in the middle of the pitch and it enabled France to get easy access to the half spaces. And that's crucial because they have players like Varane and, and Koundé and even Griezmann who will, who will occupy that half space, whether that's in progression or chance creation, and they will use that space to, to send for threatening balls, to, to kind of make penetrating, penetrating runs or passes. And it's huge to give a team of France's quality such an advantage going into the game. So that was something that they kind of didn't do well. But on the other hand, I really, really like the way that they tried, at least tried, to deal with Mbappe. They, they kind of ha- had Ziyech uh, double down the flank. He was always deep. He was deeper and he would he would kind of cover for his fullback uh, so that he was never isolated with Mbappe. And then you had the midfielder just tuck in slightly so that in, in case Mbappe tries to invert, there was always someone covering for a teammate there. It was never, no one was ever isolated with Mbappe. Unfortunately, as it turns out, with that, with that second goal especially, even if he put three or four players on Mbappe, he can still escape. He can still squeeze through and he can still cause havoc. So unfortunately, it didn't really, um, didn't really pan out the way that they had wanted to, but, but you know, it was still a good, good attempt. And the way they tried to neutralize Griezmann as well, I, I think that I think they they did well to recognize Griezmann, who who has been one of the standout performers of the World Cup, despite not being on the score sheet, you know, as as a goal scorer, and that says a lot about him. Uh, I also like 
as you said, they, they, they were so good in, in transitions and counterattacking and defending. That's what they are all about. Uh, and I love the way they have so much technical quality and the speed with which, with, with, with which they kind of moved the ball to slice through France's 4-4-2, it was it was just great because they would they would use positional superiority. They would they would move players, they would drag players to open passing lanes, and then they would just slice through through France. It was beautiful to see. It didn't really end up giving them too much, of course. They, they couldn't score at the, at the end of the day, but some of the things they did. It, it was remarkable, and that makes me think that they are a team that's kind of here to stay. When you ask me about whether they're a powerhouse or not, and I said, well, it's difficult to say because we will need to see if they can maintain this form, this 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 excellent, this this powerhouse stature that they have, and those things that that those little details and adaptations and the way of thinking and the way of executing on those ideas that makes me believe that this Morocco team is for real that they have the potential to kind of keep going and maybe even improving because on when you look at that team it's not a team full of superstars again but that's also it's also a team that has a lot of individual quality um, as well so yeah that's that's how I would describe this Morocco team for now yeah, I'm completely on board with you. I, I I really enjoy your tactical analysis as always, and I appreciate you joining me in the podcast. We were able to string this conversation together. So I hope everyone enjoyed it. And lastly, obviously, Dom wrote a book titled Anatomy of a Genius, Leo Messi's Tactical Evolution at FC Barcelona. Go check it out. And follow him on Twitter. Subscribe to his Substack. His Substack is amazing. I love it. It's one of the things I look forward to in my inbox to get his breakdown. It is amazing analysis, so definitely subscribe. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, you have that in the show notes. So again, Dom, thanks for joining me. What a, what an episode. I am giddy for this final. I really hope Messi pulls it off. Vamos. Vamos, carajo. Let's go, Argentina. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.